New Horizon has been serving the church in Northern Ireland since 1989, and we're delighted to bring you this talk today. We trust you will be blessed through this ministry. Well, folks, uh, good morning. Uh, great to see you here. Um, hopefully you can hear me well enough. If you can't, then please feel free to, to, to come forward. I'm Johnny, and I'm, uh, I have the pleasure of hosting uh, today uh, for someone who I treat as a great friend uh, who I've known for many years, uh, Ali. Yeah, so today, uh, as you can see, the, the topic of uh, journeying grief uh, in pregnancy loss, um, uh, what, a, what a big topic to cover in, in the space. And because of the topic, we very much wanted to be pastorally sensitive to that. Um, and so today, just to let you know that Catherine um, from our prayer ministry team it is available should you want to stay behind at the end and have a conversation. Uh, also, uh, my role uh, as a pastor, I'm also uh, the chaplain to Antrim Area Hospital and have a little bit of uh, experience with helping individuals uh, during those tough, tough times. So uh, I'm also available. But um, Ali, uh, I'm going to just ask uh, Ali to come forward and I'm going to pray uh, with you just as you begin. Let's pray. Father God, in the stillness of this place now, we pray for your Holy Spirit to come and to minister, to care, to reach in to each of our lives at this time. And for this, your servant, Ali, we pray blessing on her now. And we pray, Lord, that the words and the thoughts that she has prepared on this topic, Lord, that by your spirit, that you will, you will uh, pour fresh thoughts into her right now to speak to each of us. Bless her uh, for stepping into uh, this topic. Uh, and, and Lord, may we all have ears to hear what your spirit would say today to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Johnny. And thank you, everybody, um, for coming. I also have with me today, to keep me right, um, one of my very precious friends called Emily Linus. And she's going to help me today a little bit um, by sharing some of her story. So I'm very aware today that everybody here is coming with a different hat on, okay? So there are going to be some of you, maybe this has been your journey, or you're in the middle of this journey. There are some who are journeying this journey with others. And there's some here, maybe you wear a pastoral hat or a counsellor hat, and you're wanting to learn a little bit more. So as I'm sharing and um, working through what I have on my heart to share, I'm very aware I'm talking to people with lots of different hats. And also, I'm aware people will be listening to this um, online or you know, days, weeks, or months later. And if you are listening to this, want to make you feel a part of what we're talking about too, because the reality is maybe some wanted to be here, but it was just too hard to walk into this tent and sit on a seat and face seeing that title. So if that's you listening at home, um, I really pray this is a help to you. So can you bear in mind, as I'm working through this, there are lots of different hats I'm talking to. But 
I, my hat, um, I'm here obviously this week as Ali Knight, New Horizon board member. Um, but the other hat I wear, and I will be wearing this afternoon straight after this, which is why I'll need to um, run away quite quickly, is I am a counsellor or therapist. And that's my day job. And I work full time as a counsellor in private work and do some workshops as well, which I love around well-being. And I also do a bit of teaching, counselling students too, which I love. So I have actually journeyed with a lot of people on this journey who have come and sat opposite me in, in a counselling chair. And it is one of the most painful journeys. We all have a story, don't we? We all have painful journeys. But I'm very aware this particular one is not just journeying grief, it's journeying actually loss of a dream as well. Um, so pregnancy loss and journeying the grief in that is a multifaceted, in fact, I would almost call it a slightly complex grief. Okay, so we, we I was saying to Johnny to cover this topic in one hour. In fact, for Ali Knight to cover any topic in one hour is miraculous because I feel I have so much I want to share with you. But I really pray and hope it doesn't feel rushed, um, but yet helpful. So if we look at the first slide I have here, as I said, where it's not just journeying um, pregnancy loss and the grief, there's actually when there is loss in pregnancy of any kind, so what we're looking at is miscarriage or stillbirth um, and any little precious baby um, being lost at any stage of the pregnancy or just after. That's what we're covering today. But we have to actually acknowledge there isn't just loss and grief journey going on, there's actually a trauma has happened too. So whether you're someone here who has been through this journey or working through this journey, or you're someone trying to understand <laughs> someone on the journey, please remember there is a trauma being carried as well as a loss and a grief. Um, and I, th I love, I'm going to step away so you can all see this. Um, and for people who are listening at home, I've put up a little slide um, by the wonderful Charlie Mackesy. I'm sure some of you have come across his wonderful book. Um, we are out of our depth, said the boy. Just breathe, said the horse, and hold on. And I think when people are on this journey, I actually don't think they feel they have the strength to hold on. And some of us need to draw alongside and actually help them to feel that little bit of, you know, you're held, um, you're not alone. But remember, in this journey of grief and loss uh, related to pregnancy, there's a grieving a life, but there is grieving a future. Um, you know, when a woman gets pregnant, uh, and actually, a little bit of my story might be helpful at this point. I have a 17-year-old daughter who is my joy and delight. In fact, her name is Kimmy Joy Knight. Um, but she is our one and only. Another baby didn't happen. And my goodness, we thought she was never going to happen. And we were on a journey of longing for a baby and waiting for a baby that didn't seem to be happening for about five years and then a little miracle happened. So 
I'm very aware that miracle did happen for me and it hasn't for some, and that's another seminar. But actually, I am thinking back to the expectancy, this life that was going to be brought into the world. But when that life gets lost, Gosh, I, I have to tell you this, as the person leading the seminar, I'm feeling emotional <laughs> thinking about this. But when that life gets lost, it's a future gets lost, doesn't it? Because there's been a hope and a preparation and an expectancy and even an excitement, even in the very early stages. So remembering this too, there is not just grief going on uh, about a loss of a precious life, there is grieving a future and dreams feel absolutely smashed to pieces. This is a big word, okay? And I have to say it's a word I'm very passionate about as a counsellor because I get, not just in this journey, but in lots of stuff people are journeying, I have precious people who sit opposite me in the counselling chair and they feel no one has acknowledged their pain. They've had people particularly us Christians, I'm afraid, putting little silver linings on their pain. And they're not ready for the silver lining or the verse full of hope. Um, there is a time for everything. <laughs> and if you were at Ben Stewart's talk, I think it was Monday night, he talked a, a little bit about this. Um, and John brought it up yesterday morning. You know, when people are really hit hard with the big stuff in life, even as Christians, we I know we're people of hope and we have truth to hold on to, but there is a time to give that hope to a person in pain. And sometimes it's not in the early days. But acknowledgement is the biggest gift we can give someone, especially in this journey. Someone saying, this is awful, this is heartbreaking. And, and I think we forget that uh, even just in good circumstances, in normal day-to-day -day life, we love when somebody acknowledges our presence. We love when somebody validates us in some way. But when we're journeying pain, when we're journeying loss, especially pregnancy loss, and I would go even further, especially when a miscarriage has happened in very early stages, this acknowledgement gets forgotten because it's well. It was, you know, only a few weeks. It is a precious life from the moment of conception. That's another seminar too. But we have to acknowledge, no matter what stage that loss has happened, acknowledgement is one of the greatest gifts you can give. Okay? And then this other big, uh, these two big words, and they're very key, I think, in many journeys of loss. Um, when we're grieving, and when we're grieving, when there's been a pregnancy loss at any stage, it's a journey we did not choose. It is a journey we never wanted. It gets literally thrust upon us. It was never our choice. And then we're left with, who am I? Who am I now? Anybody journeying a journey of pregnancy loss is also knocked a little bit in who they are. They thought they were going to be a mum. They thought they were going to be a dad. And let's remember this. It takes two people to make a baby, as far as I'm told. That's also another seminar. Um, but, <laughs> one I'm not doing. Um, but 
there is not just the woman who has held this baby journeying loss and grief there is also a partner usually or a family and we'll talk about that a bit later but there is who am I and we have this terrible road laid before us that was not our choice to walk but we're being forced to and another little sort of nugget I suppose I would offer is we are never going to get over it and I think as a counsellor, when I say that to people, they look a bit puzzled. We never are going to get over it. But we are going to adjust and we are going to adapt in tiny, tiny stages. And I think that can be a really helpful thing, actually, for people. And maybe if you are a person sitting here who has journeyed, take the pressure off yourself to get over it or to get better or to take the pain away. It is adjusting and adapting is the key. And I'm going to show a little video that I think will help explain that, that I have found has really helped people, not just actually in journeying pregnancy loss, but in any grief journey. So we're adjusting and adapting, and we don't just recover from grief. We never recover, actually. And that will make more sense as we go along today. We adjust and adapt on the journey we did not choose. Okay. This is a video I use all the time with people. And I actually, um, only by God's grace, mercy and help, I um, was given a lovely um challenge but uh, task of writing a grief course <laughs> and for a lovely organization called links counseling um, and they use that grief course it's a six-week course and they use it in different places but as I was researching that and pulling it together and preparing it I came across this video and I have found it so helpful so keep in mind as you're listening in this journey of pregnancy loss that someone has never chosen and never desired and never wanted, what we're doing and saying to try and help just a little bit is you don't recover, you don't get over it, you adjust and adapt. And I really hope this video is going to work. So the way I try to describe grief is imagine this is you and everything about your life is contained within this earth. This is you. And when a bereavement happens, there isn't an area of your life that isn't affected by that grief. It touches every part of you. And what we used to think is that over time, that became smaller and disappeared. But the thinking now is that actually this stays the same, but our life grows around it. And we have all lots of other things that happen in our lives now, but this stays within us. And on certain times, anniversaries, birthdays, Christmases, whatever, you dip straight back into it. And then when that anniversary or whatever passes, you, you remember this part of your life again. I guess what I believe now is that this doesn't stay as dark and black inside us forever, and that somehow it changes shape and becomes a little bit more fuzzy, although it still remains there. So you don't move on. You just learn to over it. No. You just learn to have it as part of your life. Okay. Um, I, I hope that helps explain what I'm talking about a little bit. It's not recovering, it's not getting over, it's adjusting and adapting. And 
sometimes what we feel as counsellors is that takes a little tiny bit of pressure off. And I know today we're here and we're looking at this topic through a Christian perspective, through a Christian lens. And I don't know who came up with that theory, what their um, faith journey is. But as a Christian, I would add into that circle, we're not alone in the circle. I think we feel it. And we'll look at where God is in all of this too a little bit later. But actually that circle where we're adjusting, adapting and finding life around the pain, God is with us. And he's the one enabling and helping us to adjust and adapt when our head is literally hanging down in pain and agony. He's the one who is the lifter of our head and helps us to adjust and adapt. Um, and that little video, you can just Google Circle of Grief um, and type it into YouTube and that will come up. I think the other thing that's important to understand is um, I think of grief in pregnancy loss as waves, right? And if you go to the sea, I'm sure all of you might head there this afternoon <laughs> um, to cool down. But if we look at the waves and the tide coming in and the tide going out, if we carry on this concept of we don't recover, we don't just get over it, but the grief will come in waves. I find that really helpful because we can feel sort of okay one day and then the next it's horrendous and this wall of grief hits us again and we think, but I was sort of okay yesterday. But that's because the nature of grief is it comes in, <laughs> in a wave, sometimes little waves, sometimes tsunamis, it depends on the day but it will go out again. So if you're someone journeying pregnancy loss and the pain of that, or if you're someone helping on that journey, remember to expect a wave will come in and it will go out again. The wave never, I've never ever in my lifetime of 49 years seen a tide remain in all the time. Anybody else ever seen a tide remain in? No. So it will come in waves um, and and that can be bring a little bit of comfort too, actually, because I think on the days where it's m hitting much harder, we think, is this going to last forever? And those are the moments we hold on to the truth. The waves are going to come and the waves are going to go. And I would also add into that there will be a roller coaster of emotions. And any emotion is okay. And I think particularly as Christians, we sometimes think, well, we can't be angry or we can't um, be really annoyed or we can't do the negative emotions. We actually can. And I honestly look at David in the Psalms and he did a lot of a roller coaster of emotions. He did a lot of crying out to God. He did a lot of keeping it very real. So remembering the waves of grief will come and they will go out, but they might come in again. And this is a big thing. Any of you here journeying this uh, journey of loss, any of you helping those on that journey, every emotion is legitimate. And my observation would be it's the anger one as Christians people find the hardest. But I'm so angry and I'm so, it's so not fair. <laughs> That's okay. If somebody's saying that to you on their journey, of loss, that is okay. Any emotion 
is legitimate. Please do remember that if you're someone helping. I also find this really helpful thinking about train tracks of emotions, okay? And let me explain a little bit more about that. That sometimes um, in the journey of pregnancy loss or of grief of any kind, actually, we have this um, conundrum of, I feel like I'm falling apart, but I met my friend for coffee and I laughed. And people get so distressed about, does that mean I'm not grieving? Does that mean I'm forgetting my precious baby that I lost? No. We have train tracks of emotions. If you look at any train station, I'm from Coleraine, and if I go into Coleraine tra train station, there are two train tracks. We're very small up here, not like London. But there's a train that goes to Derry, there's a train that goes to Portrush, and they run alongside each other. One does not discount the other. They actually travel. They can actually travel together side by side. So remembering in grief, in loss, in pregnancy loss, we have train tracks of emotions. And that can be quite releasing to recognize too, because I think people feel, but if I have laughter with a friend or if I have a slightly better day, I feel I've, I've, I've let someone down or I'm, I'm just forgetting the life that's been lost. No, 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 absolutely not. This next slide is very important. Peace and pain can coexist. And I think that's how God has designed us. I think he designed us in our worst times, in our hardest times, to have these train tracks of emotions. So pain and peace can coexist. This is, don't get too caught up in all the millions of words on that slide, but this is a little process um, that we talk about in counseling and it sort of ties into this train track thing. In pregnancy loss, there will be what we're what we call a dual process of grief going on. And if you are a person in that journey, I hope this will help you understand a little bit what you might be feeling sometimes. So we have on one side there loss orientated, and then we have on the other side restoration orientated. All that means is on one train track, we are dealing with the everyday horrendous journey of loss. All the emotions that brings, all the hard work we're having to do to just keep on going and to find some sort of life in some way again. But on the other side, the other train track, we can be taking little steps to try and heal, to try and feel we're somehow finding a little bit of life again. But one doesn't discount the other. We can have both going on at the same time. I think another little important thing I want to just very quickly highlight, men and women are different on this journey, right? I'm all for equality and all these things, but, but in this journey of pregnancy loss, there are two very different journeys going on. And some precious um, ladies who have come to me who have had miscarriage or stillbirth, I think what they have found hard is, I feel my husband's not grieving, he's just moved on. The reality is he probably hasn't. He's just working it out differently to you. So remembering there's a lot of story. I would say when there's a pregnancy loss, there's a ripple effect goes on. There's the couple who are journeying the loss because generally it's a couple situation. 
I know there are single mummies to journey this, um, but there's the couple, there's family, there's friends. And I think the story I hear the most is everybody seems to have moved on. And I feel everybody's forgotten I lost a baby, particularly when it's early stages of pregnancy. If you are someone helping or you're a relative of someone who's on this journey, please let them know you haven't forgotten. Acknowledge it every now and again, months later. And those anniversaries are very pivotal too. So just being aware, we will all journey this differently, but men and women will journey it differently. We, you know, one might focus on the moving on quicker in it all, one might feel way behind on the journey, but giving each other grace on the journey is very, very important. One may focus on that restorative side, come on, we're going to get over this, we're going to, and the other is like, I am nowhere near that yet. Again, grace and patience with each other. Some may shut down, others may share, but just understanding. These words are absolutely banned. <laughs> no, but at least. There is, there is no situation, I would say as a counsellor, where but at least is okay. It so diminishes a person's pain. And I utterly believe we can be hope carriers and um, God's children, we are hope carriers. But that doesn't mean, again, we just give the silver lining, but at least you know you can get pregnant. I've had ladies who've had that said to them. That's not gonna help. You know, but at least you can try again. You know, I'm very, I get very cross as a counsellor when I hear, hear those kind of things. And Emily's going to share in a little minute with us some of the helpful and the unhelpful things on her journey. I'd love us just to watch this. It's three or four minute video. And uh, it's on the theme of grief acknowledgement. Um, this is a video particularly for those of you who are here helping others on the journey. But if you're on the journey of loss, I hope it will be helpful maybe to give you some ways to articulate to others actually what I need is. So let's have a little look at this. So what do we do about all the pain we see in the world? All the pain we feel in our own lives? And why does it seem like our best efforts to help somebody feel better always backfire? I've been studying intense grief and loss, baby death, violent crimes, accidents, suicides, and natural disasters. And I've learned something really interesting. Cheering people up, telling them to be strong and persevere, helping them move on, it doesn't actually work. It's kind of a puzzle. It seems counterintuitive, but the way to help someone feel better is to let them be in pain. This is true for those giant losses and the ordinary everyday ones. Educator Parker Palmer writes, the human soul doesn't want to be advised or fixed or saved. It simply wants to be witnessed exactly as it is. He's talking about acknowledgement here. Acknowledgement is this really amazing multi-tool. It makes things better even when they can't be made right. For example, somebody's struggling. Their baby died or there's been a bad accident or their mom got sick and they're just sad. It's way more helpful to join them in their pain than it is to cheer them up. But here's what we tend to do instead. You have two other children, you need to find joy in them. Or 
you know what you need? You just need to go out dancing and shake it off. Or, I felt really sad once. Did you try acupuncture? We're not really sure what to do with someone's pain, so we do what we've been taught. We look on the bright side. We try to make people feel better. We give them advice. It's not like this is nefarious. I mean, we try to cheer people up because we think that's our job. We're not supposed to let people stay sad. The problem is, you can't heal somebody's pain by trying to take it away from them. Now, acknowledgement does something different. When a giant hole opens up in someone's life, it's actually much more supportive to acknowledge that hole and let pain exist. It's actually a radical act to let things hurt. It goes against what we've been taught. In order to really support you, I have to acknowledge that things really are as bad as they feel to you. If I try to cheer you up, you end up defending yourself and your feelings. If I give you advice, you feel misunderstood instead of supported. And I don't get what I want either because I wanted you to feel better. It's pretty rare that you could actually talk somebody out of their pain. Rarely does the admonishment to look on the bright side actually heal things for someone. It just makes them stop telling you about their pain. It's so tempting to try to make things better. When somebody shares something painful, it's much more helpful to say, I'm sorry that's happening. Do you want to tell me about it? To be able to say, this hurts, without being talked out of it, that's what helps. Being heard helps. It seems too simple to be of use, but acknowledgement can be the best medicine we have. It makes things better, even when they can't be made right. Very challenging, isn't it? And I think particularly as Christians, and please hear me, I'm sure there's some, but well, but Jesus is for hope and Jesus, he is, he absolutely is. And I, it's that's why I do my job, because I think there is always hope. But it's there is a time to give that word of hope and there is a time to just hold back and be present. Um, and I hope that little video has helped um, to, to get that point across. Remembering too, anybody, um, particularly the woman who has experienced loss uh, and pregnancy of any kind, she is handling her own journey and her own pain, but she's also trying to handle everybody else's journey in the mix. And just being aware of that, um, I think if you are this precious woman who has lost a baby, know your limits. It's okay to just say, I can't do this today. <laughs> I can't take on your grief as well as mine. Um, it's okay to put in some boundaries and say, I'm actually so broken at the moment, I, I just need some time out. I think so often, I would say actually in any grief story, I had a lovely client who's journeying grief, and she said, Ali, I can't believe the number of people who come up to me and say, I am just falling apart because your dad died. And she's like, he's not their dad. He's my dad. I'm the one who's lost him. <laughs> and I think it's the same in pregnancy loss. You know, just being so sensitive that it is that couple's of journey of grief. And we might be the sister or the auntie or the parent or somebody important in their lives. And we are on a journey, but it's really helpful if 
as the relative or the friend, we journey that with somebody else, the our stuff, the our pain in it, so that the precious ones who are in the middle of grief and are owning the grief just have to deal with their journey. Um, and remember that, I think it's really helpful. So I am going to give you a break from my voice and I am going to ask uh, Emily to come up. Emily and I have been friends for a very long time. I like to think we're the same age, but I'm actually a lot older than her, but anyway. <laughs> um, but Emily has had her journey. Um, Emily, firstly, we're gonna sort of do a, a, me asking Emily some questions. Could you just tell us a little overview of your journey? Would that be okay? Mm -hmm. yes. Hi, um, good afternoon. Yes, 20 past 12. Um, yes, I'm Emily. And um, it was an interesting thing for Ali to ask me to do. And I think if she'd asked me maybe four or five years ago, I wouldn't have done it. Um, because <clears throat> contrary to much of what I struggled with when I was going through a kind of eight-year um, struggling to get pregnant, getting pregnant, losing babies, then not getting pregnant for years, then losing a baby. So it's a kind of combination of pregnancy loss and unexplained infertility, um, which is very frustrating. Um, but yes, I don't think I could have done it a couple of years ago because um, without sounding um, too inappropriate, I have a happy ending. I have three children. Um, and I so struggled listening to people who would talk about a journey of um, miscarriages or infertility or not being able to get pregnant, um, who would stand up there with their beautiful little family um, and their children. And I would sit there listening, going, well, that's all very well for you, but I am absolutely not in that place, and who knows if I ever will be, so I don't want to hear you with your kind of crescendo of a happy ending. Um, so I am very happy to share and I'm, um, yeah, I feel like it's, it's a good thing for me to share, but I'm also really conscious of that as well, um, that I do have a family and I do have three children and it, it still baffles me to this day. Um, I have a little boy called Finn who has just turned seven, um, another little boy called Josiah who's five and a half and a little girl called Clementine who's nearly three. And after eight years, they literally came in very quick succession, <laughs> um, which is another strange thing. Um, so yeah, my, my journey, um, as, as Ali said, just very um, kind of briefly, um, is we started you know, trying to get pregnant shortly after we got married, um, tried to start getting pregnant by 2006, and then by 2009, we finally did get pregnant. And I think as a kind of young, naive married woman, um, I just assumed it would all happen the minute I thought about it. The minute we decided to start a family, um, this family would, would appear. Um, and I think even that waiting was difficult for me, waiting you know, just under two years um, to get pregnant and not really understanding why. And then once we did get pregnant, it, it's like it all just is this very happy miracle and everything is great and here we are, the, the train has left the station and we're, and we're heading on. And not really in any way thinking that that journey could be stunted or stopped. Um, very naive about pregnancy loss, very uneducated about miscarriages. Um, and yeah, knew something was up within the pregnancy. Um, felt like it wasn't feeling the way it was meant to feeling, went for a scan. And it's something called a miss miscarriage. 
Um, so the, the fetus was there, but there was no heartbeat. And I remember that feeling in the, in the hospital lying there with my husband, and I genuinely didn't understand what that even meant. <laughs> um, I think I was kind of that young and, and not understanding what this meant. But a really amazing, and it's funny, I, I would say this, like helpful, um, a midwife just, she really like straight away acknowledged it and legitimized it as a tragedy that had just happened, that this heartbeat was not there anymore. It had been there and now it wasn't. And so she had to kind of talk me through what that meant, that I had to have a DNC, that I had to go in for surgery. And so this whole other life just got thrown at me sideways of what, what I was now in this situation. And we had to go home to my family and tell them. And it's funny, I remember that like, like it was yesterday. Um, it was March, it was sunny. All my family lived kind of in one place. And um, they just like came around me with just hugs and squished us, myself and my husband, Dave. And it's funny, that is probably the, the one thing that really helped, completely acknowledging it, um, understanding how, how sad it was. Um, and actually with that little pregnancy loss, I think we processed it really well and we um, planted a tree um, in a garden near, near my parents' house and we actually marked that, that ending of a little life that was meant to be ours. And I remember then all of those slightly unhelpful, um, maybe I didn't realize at the time, but unhelpful phrases like, well, it'll happen again. Don't worry, you'll be pregnant before you know it. And, you know, well, you can get, at least you can get pregnant. That was one. And I was like, yeah, absolutely, you're totally right. This is going to happen tomorrow. So you just carry on with your little life. Um, and then it didn't happen for about three years, two years, um, investigations. And then by 2011, got pregnant again. So it felt like a magic trick again, because nothing was explained. Um, so I felt like, right, now we're really on it. Full start, now we're on it. We're going to, this is it. It cannot happen again. It doesn't happen to you again. It doesn't happen to you twice. And I think you probably tell yourself those kind of those stories, those narratives of, but, but now this is our chance. Yes, that was a test. We got through that. We, you know, we've come out stronger. We've, I understand what, what this is about. And then I think losing that pregnancy in, in a very different way, a lot of, don't want to be too, too much here, but we're in an intimate setting, a, a lot of bleeding and just a, a lot of pain and actually at a wedding randomly, um, of our, our cousin. Um, um, so in, in a bathroom, and my mum was there, and I remember feeling like the world had just dropped out of me. And I remember holding this little thing and thinking, this is like someone else's story. This is like a whole, I think I've jumped into somebody else's life. This is not meant to be happening to me. I'm a really shiny, happy person, and I just don't want this to be the story that I tell people. And when that one happened, it's funny, I have two different feelings about the, the miscarriages. Um, I feel like the first one I could, I could kind of deal with and, and understand, and then the second one I was so angry and so confused at God, so angry at God, and I think I just decided, right, don't need you anymore. Clearly this is not, this is not helping, so therefore I'm just gonna kind of try and figure stuff out for myself. And I think that sense of running away, not only from God, but possibly from people around you that are on that journey or that are on the track. 
So their station has left, or sorry, their train has left the station and they're moving along. And I think myself and my husband definitely felt that feeling of being left behind by our friends that we had sort of all got married at the same stage and they'd started families and we just had these two full starts that kind of like put us to the back of the line again. And it, it sounds very kind of crude and rudimentary, but that's kind of how it felt. So you, I think we probably distance ourselves and distance ourselves from church where it felt like, well, if you, if you don't hope enough, then you don't have enough faith. And if you don't have enough faith, then you're not believing that God can do anything. And I think sometimes being in that very overtly place of, of kind of faith and the sort of if you just contend harder and if you just pray harder, it'll happen. Um, so, yeah, feeling like a failure, feeling like a slight failure as a Christian sometimes. Sorry. Thank you, Emily. Um, my brave friend. <laughs> but... You mentioned very briefly there the unhelpful. So I'd love you just in a couple of minutes to tell us what was the most unhelpful so that none of us ever do that. But also then um, a little bit about, and I love you already mentioned God and your feelings towards God, because this is a huge part as Christians journeying this journey. Where is God in this? And some people... You know, it makes them run to God even more. But for others, uh, mostly this is the story. It's like, where were you? Why? Why? Very important question. Let people ask that question. I get very cross when some Christians say we can't ask why. We just accept it's from the Lord. Absolute rubbish. <laughs> and as a counselor, as a Christian counselor who loves Jesus with her whole heart and has done for all her life since she was six, <laughs> um, that's not how God works. We're allowed to ask why. We just can't get stuck in the why. That's the, the, the trick. But we're allowed to ask why. So, the unhelpful, and then how did you handle the where God is in all of this? Yeah, I think, I think in, in people's, well, people have the best intentions. And, you know, I don't think you can judge people too harshly and hold them to too high account because people don't know what to say and it's funny definitely we were talking about this earlier not acknowledging it is is actually more hurtful than acknowledging it in the wrong way which may sound counter but I remember after, shortly after our first one a, a couple just they knew but they didn't say anything and it was this really normal Tuesday afternoon of hanging out and having coffee and I felt so ashamed because I just felt like, is this not worth talking about? Is this not important enough to you to ask us? And no matter how awkward it is, can you not just say that it's crap, that it's sad, that it's rubbish? So yeah, definitely not acknowledging it is, is harder. Um, but then people saying the kind of, yes, you will get pregnant again. Um, this is all got a part of God's plan. Um, you know, this will... There's a purpose in this. And even if those things are true, they don't need to be said at that time. They don't need to be, I loved that video. You don't need to be made feel better. I think the best friends and the best family members that came alongside myself and Dave were those that just sat with us in, in our pain and in our anger and in our frustration and sat with us when we were doubting God's love for us um I I had I really struggled with that I'd really 
I'd loved Jesus for a very long time since I was a child and had a real wonderful, still do, though, you know, things, things change. And um, so I felt like God had let me down as, a, as his child and as his friend, if that makes sense. So I felt like this shouldn't be happening to me. I definitely don't deserve this. Um, yeah, so I think unhelpful things were that often people would give me prophetic words with um, babies running around my legs or children um, in my future. And I'm not saying that's not encouraging and it may well have been God, but there was times where I was just like, I don't want to hear that because if that's a great easy thing to prophesy or maybe you should just pray that God meets me in my pain and anger instead. Um, so sometimes people wanting it to be better or to bring hope often made me feel ashamed of my pain and, and ashamed of my place of hopelessness. Um, and actually for me, going to God with my pain um, and my anger was the one place that I actually found hope. And um, I have this not so hilarious, slightly dark story about um, my sister rung me up to tell me about her being pregnant um, for the third time. And I just went, are you flipping kidding me? Um, in that very nice Christian calm way. Um, I just said, Dave, what the heck? I can't believe this. And I got so angry and I lifted something and I threw it in, in the room and it smashed the TV. So I smashed the TV. <laughs> I didn't mean to. I just like needed to throw something. And anyway, we had small group or home group, whatever you call it, that night. And this TV was smashed literally within half, like they were coming in half an hour. And we had this very young, boisterous puppy at the time called Molly. Um, and I basically just spun a story that we were throwing a ball around the, the living room and, I, and, and she smashed the TV, like headbutted it and it broke. And like that was the story. And I remember after that small group, um, I went slightly MIA and disappeared. And Dave couldn't find me for love and money. And I fled to the beach, um, just screaming and shouting at God in the dark. And, you know, running along the beach because no one is on Port Street Strand at 11 o'clock at night, um, apart from boy racers, but I, I digress. Um, so I think that was an important place for me to be able to just let off steam at God. And you know what? He met me every time. Not with a prophetic word, not with a scripture, not with anything other than just his embrace and love. And he just, that's okay. That's fine. And I remember having to sit down one time after a long walk on the beach, after the second miscarriage. And bear in mind, there was very unexplained reasons why we weren't getting pregnant in the meantime. Um, I didn't know why it was all taking so long. Um, and I remember saying, okay, God, if I never have children and I do not become a mother, which has been a lifelong dream of mine, um, in the way that I want to with a biological child, because I know there's other, other kind of ways, I said, I ha you have to still be enough for me. You have to be all that I love and all that I want. And my life still has incredible meaning and purpose um, beyond that. And I think coming to that place of complete surrender was actually such a starting point for me to really kind of find him again in my relationship of, of intimacy with him and I, I kind of picked myself up and I actually felt a relief to be able just to go to that really dark hard place that I never wanted to admit out loud that that might be my reality um and yeah so that was helpful from God he's 
very helpful when you go directly to him. Thank you, Emily. It's very real, isn't it? And um, thank you for sharing. Thank you. Um, and I love Emily for a million reasons, but she always keeps it real. And I think she's articulated something probably so many in this journey have felt, but they don't actually know how to articulate it. And let's remember, Emily has done a lot of healing and a lot of adjusting and adapting. Um, and I hope her story helps to give the hope, <laughs> but also to encourage us it's okay to keep it real with God and with others. Thank you, Emily. So we are coming into land very shortly. Part of what Emily talked about there was, um, you know, the people, <laughs> the right people. And what I would say is spend a whole lot of less time with the unhelpful people. You don't need to hang out with them. Find the people who do get it. Find the people who do walk alongside and who don't judge or rush the silver lining of your pain. You need a friend who acknowledges, who listens, um, makes it about you, not them, which I talked about, gives practical help um, that can be wonderful, um, talks honestly, has sensitivity, who doesn't hurry your healing with you for the long haul. And I think Emily even mentioned that, you know, there's some people there in the crisis moment just after the loss happens and then they fade away. And we are neither saying everybody in the whole world needs to go into a period of mourning, right? And, and I, I want to, us to know we're talking about a kind of balance in this, okay? But we do need to acknowledge and we do need people who don't rush our pain. So that is one of the, I would talk about building blocks in pregnancy loss. This is one of them. Finding the good friends, the true friends, really important. Um, we've talked about that. I think um, another building block so we've talked about acknowledge, a focus for your grief. And all I mean by that is, um, there's a brilliant book, actually, this is probably the right moment to share, uh, by a lady called Julia Samuel, and she's one of my heroes in uh, grief. It's called Grief Works by Julia Samuel. This book is amazing for any kind of grief, but there is a whole chapter on pregnancy loss. Uh, the other thing is she has a superb website, which is a resource. You just Google Julia Samuel and has so many materials. But she would talk about pillars of grief. Um, I, I call them building blocks. So when a pregnancy loss has happened, you know, what do we do? So we've, we've said we adjust and adapt. We remember that circle of grief. We find the helpful friends and we spend less time with the unhelpful um, having a focus, as in, it, it is all-consuming. Pregnancy loss, loss, grief is all-consuming. And do you know what the other tough, tough part in it is? You're seeing babies all the time. And I would say after pregnancy loss, you notice even more babies all the time. And it feels like everybody in the world can have those precious babies except you. Um, so remembering to give a different focus to your grief, whether it is spending time with that really helpful friend or whether it's throwing yourself into a distraction, a healthy distraction of some kind. 
holding on in the roller coaster of emotions as the waves hit, be kind and gentle to yourself until the wave goes out again. Keep talking, keep expressing how you feel. This is, as a counsellor, I am banging on about this all the time. We don't have to hold it all together. We can lift the lid. Now, I am not recommending we break TVs. <laughs> I love that story. She did not mean to do it. But she needed to let that anger out in some way. And channeling that, whether it is shouting on the beach or shouting you know, with a safe person, we have to let it out. And I loved Ben Stewart um, the other night. I actually talked about this, where every morning... He journals, how, do I, how am I feeling today? And whatever he's feeling, I'm feeling terrible. I'm feeling hopeless. <laughs> he just pours it all out to God and gets it off his chest. Get help. This is really important. Sometimes we just cannot do the journey alone in pregnancy loss. We need some counselling or we need to join a group of some kind or we need pastoral support or we might need medication okay and um, we might have got so low and dipped so low that we have what i would call a reactive depression um to our loss so being mindful sometimes we need to pull in other help self-care goes up a thousand gears in pregnancy loss you do anything you can to look after you, be kind and gentle, and be patient. And I know that's one of the toughest ones, being patient. The other thing, and actually Emily mentioned this, and I didn't know she was going to, but so many of my precious clients on this journey, at some point and at the right time, definitely not necessarily straight away, but doing something symbolic when you're ready, whether it's planting a tree. A beautiful family I was working with at one point in pregnancy loss. Actually, every time I tell the story, I have a look. <laughs> How they symbolised their precious baby that they lost, and this was a stillbirth situation, was they bought a train track. And every Christmas, that train track came out. But every Christmas, they bought a different carriage. So everybody has their... It gives me the shivers thinking about that. So... Each Christmas, they symbolised that precious life that was lost with a new train carriage and watched that train move around the circle. And I do believe, as a counsellor, with my professional hat on, this can be really helpful to symbolically mark that life. That's part of the acknowledgement, part of recognising there has been a devastating loss. I've mentioned already the next slide, the why where is God? And Emily sort of touched on that. It is okay to ask why. It is okay to cry out to God. You know, there are things that have happened in my life that I will never understand. And I had to go through a period of why with God. There isn't always the answer, but it's okay to ask. But let's not get stuck in the why. We move on at some point into the surrender. Um, yeah, it's healthy, it's legitimate. We don't want to get stuck. Lament, another whole seminar. But lament is a biblical principle. It's been touched on in different talks this week. And in pregnancy loss, we must allow ourselves to lament. And I believe it's a, a beautiful but painful gift God has given, that time of lament. Um, and I'm very aware our time is about to run out. So I, I'm trying not to rush this, but I really want to get to the last slide and uh, not let you miss out on anything. 
Lament is a biblical response to the reality of suffering. And it's what we need right now. Look at David. He lamented time after time after time. Holding on to truth in pregnancy loss is so important because our brain is fried. Our heart is broken. And this is going to sound a bit weird, but bear with me. Holding on to the truth of God's promises, the truth of who he is. And even if we don't believe it because we're so broken, that's okay. Just keep reading it or keep declaring it. And there's something about declaring truth, whether out loud or writing it down or just reading it. We maybe can't fully accept that truth, but just declaring it, something starts to sink into our pain as a little antidote. So keep holding on to truth because, like Emily said, there's that lie crept in of, I'm a failure. That's not true. There will be so many untruths fill your mind in your loss, and we have to fight to hold on to the truth. David cried out to God, and if it's good enough for David, it's good enough for us. Okay, Jesus loved, God loved David, a man after God's own heart. But he cried out in Psalm 6, How long, O Lord? My soul is in deep anguish. The other thing I got very drawn to, and I know it probably feels a strange passage to be quoting in this seminar, but I, I just as I was preparing this, I was, I just felt, this sounds really funny, but I, not in an audible voice, but I just said, felt God saying, you need to look at the story of the Garden of Gethsemane. And I thought, I'm doing a pregnancy loss seminar. What's that got to do with anything? <laughs> but actually, as I read the story, I don't know, I just saw it through a different lens. Jesus was in despair. He knew what was about to happen. And he cried out to God. In fact, he basically had a meltdown <laughs> and was like, I can't do this. It's too much. Take this cup of suffering. So if we are made in the image of Christ, the good news is we can cry out to God too. He is big enough and strong enough to take us. Uh, we've talked about holding on to that. I, this verse I want to bring us into land on. And it's a verse I have held on to in many circumstances. <laughs> and it's a verse that I hope will give a little bit of comfort. A bruised reed he will not break. And I think we do feel broken in pregnancy loss. We feel smashed to smithereens. And we literally feel like our life will never ever find any normality again and this is what we hold on to I, I feel broken I feel smashed to smithereens but he has promised a bruised reed I am bruised I am so battered but I am not utterly broken because he has promised that a bruised reed he will not break and then there's this other, and this is one of my favorite passages, Isaiah 43, verse 2. When you pass through the waters, he will be with you. And I think we hold on to that, even if we don't fully believe it at times. And yesterday in here, I was doing a seminar on rising strong when we feel weak. And one of the stories from the Bible I was talking about was Jesus in the storm. And I actually feel it's right to end with this today. 
And we explored that story, you know, Jesus asleep in a boat in a raging storm, you know, actually in probably waves like that. And I'm like, I would literally have been having, I was the disciple having a hissy fit. Ah, we are doomed. <laughs> that would be me. But Jesus was asleep. And then he woke up and I'm just picturing very gently and calmly was just, you know, praying and the storm settled. But I really felt today um, that God was saying, you are in the storm of pregnancy loss and you're still walking it for some of you and some of you listening to this at home. But he wants to stand in the gap now. You're not alone. And I almost like saw this picture of, of Jesus in the boat and he was standing at the, at the helm and just holding back the waves from completely overwhelming and crushing. And you were safe in the boat, maybe weeping, maybe very downcast, but he has the storm. He has the storm. And then my last little slide, again, Charlie Mackesy. Sometimes just getting up and carrying on is brave and magnificent. And I want to finish by saying, I think I've said I'm going to finish 25 times now. Johnny's now going to panic. <laughs> that this really is the last um, little offering. But I want to say, if you are here today or listening to this at home and you have journeyed pregnancy loss, we acknowledge you and we stand with you and we say we're just so sorry. But more than that, Jesus sees he knows and he understands in a way that no human actually can. And he's got you. He has got you. Um, and remember, you can't actually journey this alone. He has got you and he wants to be present alongside you. He didn't send this to test you. That is not, I am a mummy of one daughter and I would never deliberately set up a test to see how resilient she is or how much she can just hold on to hope. Never. And I'm a human parent. God is our heavenly father. So he hasn't sent this, but my goodness, he is going to walk with you in it. So thank you for listening. I'm just going to put up this um, last little... If you... I realise we have tried to cover this ginormous topic in an hour. If you would like this explored further, and Emily and I are actually maybe thinking about doing this again <laughs> in some way, but in a bit of a longer time. But if you'd be interested in just finding out more about that, I have a Facebook page, Ali Knight Private Counselling. The other little um, thing that I just thought about this morning, if you're someone here who has a pastoral hat on and you would like equipped, um, myself and a colleague are running what we call an introduction to counselling course on pastoral skills. And um, we do it two or three times a year. And the next one is a weekend in September and a weekend in October. And it's a great course for anybody with a pastoral hat. And there's a website you can visit for details. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. And you're brave and magnificent. Folks, just as we finish, um, if you need to stay and just spend a bit of time in the quiet of this place, feel free to do that. Remember that Catherine is here for prayer ministry. Also on your little seats, you'll see a little booklet called When Hopes Seem Dashed. Maybe that's something that you would like to take for someone else that you know that needs encouragement. Please take that. Let me just pray as we finish. Father God, in all that we have listened to today from Ali and from Emily, 
We pray, Lord, that we would know the promise that you will never leave us, nor will you ever forsake us, that you're a very present help in times of trouble. So, Lord, as we go from here today, as we go with maybe thoughts in our heads and memories of the past, may you walk so closely with us, our great rock, our refuge, and our redeemer. Bless us into this day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this talk. If you would like to know more about New Horizon, please visit our website at newhorizon.org.uk.